which will then hopefully begin to result in some different actions and how you go about handling that area of your life. Now, for me, the topic of roommates is really dear and near to my heart because I've been a roommate most of my life. Uh, I grew up in a house with three siblings, so privacy was a word that did not exist in my household. I never knew what it was. I heard, I'd heard other people experienced it before, but not me. Um, and so by the time I got to college, I had about maybe three and a half years of my life that I kind of like had my own room. I mean, I still lived with people, but actually had my own room. And then when I was in college, I lived in the dorms for four years. And I was an RA one of those years, so I had roommates three out of those four years. And then when I graduated, I went and I lived with another guy for about a year, and then I got married. And my wife and I have been roommates ever since. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm 32 and a half years old, and I've had about four and a half years of my life where I've been roommateless, and the rest of the time I've been living with people, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And so, so the idea of roommates, you know, I, I love it. I've had a fair amount of experience with it, and hopefully I'm getting a little bit better at it as time goes on. Um, and I think it's worth spending an evening uh, devoted to just talking about this idea of roommates for at least three specific reasons. There may be more, but at least three I thought of. One is you're going to have to live with roommates a whole lot of your life, you know, both here in college and then when you graduate, whether you're married or single, chances are you're going to live with roommates a lot. So it would be a good idea to learn how to roommate well. Um, the second reason is chances are some of you guys in this room may want to get married someday. And outside of dating, I can't think of probably any better, you know, practice round for marriage than having roommates, you know, because your spouse will be your roommate one day. And so it would be important to learn how to do it because, see, the things that your girlfriend think are kind of cute and quirky now, when she's married and living with you, they're not going to be so cute and quirky. They're going to be like, you need to change that, like now, you know. And so it's a good idea to learn how to roommate well now. And then the third reason I thought of, and this is probably the most important one, is, you know, if you're a Christian, uh, how you choose to relate to those people that you're around the most says really more about how Christ is really working in your life and the difference he's making in your life than just about anything. You know, it's a good idea to read the Bible and go to church and memorize scripture, and those all will help you learn how to be a better roommate. But where the rubber really meets the road is how do you treat the people that you're around the most? John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus put it this way. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, the key identifying mark to a Christian is not how much they know, but it's how well they love those they're around. So for those reasons in mind, the question I want us to look at tonight to begin to rethink it in the area of roommates is this. How do you create an environment that both you and your roommates want to come home to? You know, and not just a physical environment, although we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, but how do you create an environment, you know, relationally and just emotionally where it's actually an environment that you and your roommates want to come home to and you don't avoid at all costs. Now, because I imagine being about that we're almost halfway through the semester, many of you are probably at the point where the honeymoon stage of, of roommating has begun to wear off, you know, like it was a cruise before this and now you're like headed into choppy waters. You're thinking, okay, this, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to go in this. And if you don't begin to figure out some things on how to relate better, you know, you not, you're not going to survive, much less thrive, and, and you're just going to begin to sink. And so um, there's some things, I think, that will begin to help you stay afloat in your relationships. And in fact, I think what you really need is I think you need rafts. Next slide. 
There we go. All right. There you go. Graphs. Now, I know what you're wondering. Jeremy, did you just come up with that really cheesy water metaphor just so that it would go with your acronym on rafts? Yes. Yes, I did, in fact. That's exactly why I came up with that metaphor. And cheesy as it may be, I think it'll help you begin to remember some of these keys that we're going to talk about tonight as to how you can begin to put into practice some key habits, some key things, and learning how to roommate well so that you can create an environment that both you and your roommate want to come home to. So the first key uh, to really create an environment that you and your roommate want to come home to is this, responsibility. Responsibility. And by this, I mean personal responsibility. Now, for some of you, depending on your personality or the home you grew up in, how you were raised, you're thinking, well, of course responsibility is one of the keys to good roommate relationships. I mean, why wouldn't it be? And then there's others of you that think responsibility, that wouldn't even be in my top 10, much less my top five. Why are we talking about responsibility? And the reason I think for that is, is because you've probably bought into this idea in our culture, particularly here in America, that goes something like this, you know, irresponsibility is a neutral thing. Or maybe it's just a personal thing. So, meaning, you know, who cares if I'm irresponsible? You know, if, if I want to be irresponsible, that's my choice. Besides, it doesn't affect anyone anyway, does it? But that's where you'd be wrong. Because, yes, it is your choice to be responsible if you want to do that, but it's not a neutral choice. In fact, it actually affects and impacts everyone you live with. And when you make the choice not to be responsible for your work around your apartment or your dorm, that inevitably falls on your other roommates. Or put another way, your irresponsibility actually becomes someone else's responsibility. Your irresponsibility becomes someone else's responsibility. So whether you realize it or not, when you aren't choosing to do your work around your apartment, you're asking your, uh, the people you live with to do your work for you, which actually goes directly against something that we see in Scripture in Galatians 6.5, where it says, for each one should carry his own load, meaning you need to be personally responsible for yourself, and not only for yourself, but also for the other responsibilities you take on as a roommate. So, for example, if you make a mess, that's your responsibility to clean it up. Or if you and your roommate decide, hey, you're going to pay these bills, and you're going to do these chores, and I'm going to do these chores, that's your responsibility to take on your end of the share. Now, paying bills and doing chores like cleaning and vacuuming, all that kind of stuff, the easiest way to, get to do that is just to have a time in your schedule at a certain point in the week that you do it and just do it. Because, you know, if it doesn't get in your schedule, it won't get in your life. But for all the other stuff that really takes up most of our time that goes throughout the week, I want to give you one simple rule that I think could begin to work wonders for the cleanliness of your home, as well as just you beginning to take on responsibility as a roommate. Now, this is a simple rule. It's not that complicated, but it's really effective if you put it into practice. Are you ready for it? Here it is. When you're done with something, put it back where it goes. Just read that slowly for a second. When you're done with something, just put it back where it goes. See, it'll work its way out like this. See, if you, if you use a dish or, or you cook with something, when you're done with it, you put it back where it goes, meaning you got it out of the shelf, or at least hopefully you did, or the cabinet. So that means you got to wash it. It means you got to dry it. Then you got to put it back, you know? Or at the end of the day, when you finish, you know, wearing the clothes that you wore, you put it where it goes. If it's dirty, it goes in the hamper. If it's clean, it goes in the closet or in the drawer. You know, or if you're using someone's food or, or games or music equipment, rather than just leaving it in the middle of the living room, you put it back where it goes. It's a simple rule, but it's an effective rule. And let me encourage you, 
one of the best ways to implement this rule is try to have what I call sort of the by end of day uh, rule with this stuff. Meaning if you use something that day, by the end of that day, look to put it back where it goes. Because see, if you, if you can start each day having put stuff back where it went the night before, you can at least start each day with kind of a ground zero mentality rather than buried six feet under of all the things that you know, are still left to be put away. Um, because it's just a lot harder to focus and be motivated for today's responsibilities when we have a lot of carryover from yesterday's responsibilities. Now that may sound a little bit like work, and the reason for it is it's because it is work. Uh, but if you will do that, you'll find that not only will your home be more clean and inviting to come to, but there'll be a lot greater level of trust with you and your roommates, and there'll be a lot greater level of freedom with you and your roommates uh, because each of you are choosing to take personal responsibility for yourselves. And consequently, you won't need near as many house rules or many roommate agreements, kind of like they had in the Big Bang Theory. Because see, back in the Garden of Eden when it all began, there was, before sin entered the world, there was only one rule and a lot of responsibility because we were created for responsibility. But as time went on and sin entered the world and we became irresponsible, more and more rules had to be created just to begin to corral and direct the behavior of people. But in a culture, when everyone chooses to take responsibility for themselves, they don't need a lot of rules. For example, like over the years at my house with, with my wife and I, Katie, like uh, we, we've divided up the workloads of different things we do around the house over the years, and that's changed from different seasons of our life. Uh, but we don't really have a lot of house rules. You know, we, we have the direction we're headed in our marriage and the direction we're headed in parenting, and then we just have a lot of responsibility, you know, but not a lot of rules. And in fact, any rules that we do have are really there just so that we can communicate and be on the same page with each other. They're not there to pin each other down and to hold each other accountable, like, you're going to do these, you know, chores. I mean, because being responsible, that's just kind of a given. We've already said, well, yeah, that, that's what we're planning on doing. So being responsible, that's the first key. Then the second key to really create an environment that you and your roommate want to come home to is service. Is service. This is sort of, you know, like that, you know. <laughs> Whoever said an acronym had to be in order, you know. Um, if you think real hard, there's a few other words you can create with those letters, but I didn't create those. Um, You'll get it eventually. So anyway, uh, there, service is sort of the other side of the coin of responsibility. Now, while you want to be personally taking responsibility for yourself and not expecting your roommates to bear that load, we ought to also be looking to serve our roommates. And we should do that for at least two reasons, I thought. First, when you choose to serve, it really creates more of a family and a team atmosphere in your home rather than just this sterile business-like environment. See, because in a strictly business-type environment, and I've been in those kind of environments at work before, you know, it's very clear-cut. You have your role, and I have my role. And as long as you do your role and I do my role, we're good. But if you don't do your role, or if I don't do my role, oh, then we're in trouble, you know. Now, if you've ever actually lived in an environment like that, that's actually pretty uh, suffocating. I mean, there are countries and there are people groups that hate each other, that even they have this basic kind of relationship. But they're not looking to actually serve each other. They're not looking to actually bless each other. They're just focused on themselves, and they're only thinking about the other party to the extent that it impacts them. 
But when we take time to actually serve, when we take time to actually help each other out, we really build a lot of goodwill within our roommate relationships, which really fosters this, this family and this team atmosphere that's really helpful. So when you see dishes or when you see food sitting out, um, just pick it up. Choose to serve. And if it wouldn't weird your roommate too much out, you know, like make their bed, you know, occasionally if they don't make their bed. That would really bless them, especially in your dorm when that takes up three-fourths of your room is your bed, you know. It doesn't have to be your mess to pick it up. You can just choose to serve. And the second reason I think we should serve is because there's some times in life when people are going through seasons that they're bearing a load that's just abnormally heavy. You know, it's not the normal load. It's extra heavy, and they're really having a tough time carrying it themselves. That's why in the same chapter in Galatians that we looked at earlier, there's, in verse 2 it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That extra heavy load may come in the form of, like, maybe your roommate's sick, or maybe, you know, they're dealing with some, some really tough family issues, or they're dealing with some tough dating issues, or maybe all their professors decided they were going to assign a test on the exact same day. You know, I mean, it could be any number of things that are causing this extra burden. But for whatever reason, the load they're bearing at the time is crushing them. And so we can really come in and we can really help relieve some of that burden by choosing to serve. Now, if you're going to begin to make the habit of serving, a couple of suggestions I'd give you. First, build some margin into your schedule. Build some margin into your schedule. If every minute of your schedule is focused on your agenda, the things that you have to get done, you're not going to have any margin to really intentionally or even spontaneously serve your roommates. And if you can't find where to cut in your schedule, one area I'd suggest, look at anything that falls into the category of like fun time or me time or goof off time. I bet you there is more hours allocated to that area of your life than you're willing to admit. You know, that's probably one area you could begin to look at. And then second uh, thing you can begin to do to build the habit of serving is begin to learn to ask the question, you know, how can I help? How can I help? This is a really helpful question because oftentimes we just don't know what's the best way to help our roommates, either maybe because we're just not observing it or maybe they're just not really voicing their burdens, which would be understandable. So if you can learn to get in the habit of asking the question, how can I help when you walk into a room or when you interact with your roommate, opportunities to serve will abound. And in fact, you might have so many opportunities, you may want to stop asking that question so often. But it's a really helpful way. Now imagine for a second, if you and everyone you lived with, just think about all of your roommates, or maybe you're just your one roommate, depending on how many you live with. If you and everyone you lived with decided you were going to not burden each other by each taking personal responsibility, but at the same time looking to serve each other, do you think that would be a home you'd want to come home to? Do you think that that would maybe create goodwill and gratefulness between you and your roommates? I think it would. You know, that's a home I'd want to come back to. So that's the second key, service. And then the third key to create, create an environment that you and your roommates want to come home to is accountability. Accountability. A good roommate should not only think the best of their roommate, but they should also expect the best from them. This is where accountability begins to come in. See, part of accountability is being willing to speak the truth into a roommate's life, even when it's uncomfortable. Being willing to speak truth into a roommate's life, even when it's uncomfortable. And not for the purpose of just kind of bashing them or because you're annoyed at something they're doing 
and you just need to get something off your chest, but because you actually really care for them and you really want the best for them. Now, unfortunately, uh, the way I've seen this play out in a lot of relationships is people tend to either implode or they tend to explode. They see bad patterns beginning to form in their roommate's life and things that could really hurt them. And rather than talking to them about it, they talk about them to other people. Or they choose to explode and just have these occasional just yell fests among their roommates, which does amazing wonders for the atmosphere of their home. You know, I mean, everyone wants to be in a home like that. Or maybe even more sad than either imploding or exploding is just when a roommate chooses to be indifferent. They see things in their roommate's life that are really messing up their life or will begin to mess up their life, but they just don't care. And so consequently, they just say nothing about it. You don't want to be any one of those kind of roommates. Instead, be willing to speak the truth in love, as Ephesians 4.15 talks about, because you care for your roommate's well-being. This will not only be actually in the best interest of them, but it will actually be in the best interest of you as well, because chances are whatever they're doing that's hurting them or is, is wrong is probably making your life tougher as well. So think about this a second. Would you rather have a five-minute potentially awkward long conversation and a rest of the school year of an enjoyable relationship with your roommate or would you rather have a frustrating rest of the year just to avoid potentially a five-minute awkward conversation with your roommate I mean just have the conversation it's so much better and when you do a few things I would suggest if you are going to have that conversation a few things consider First, I would be praying for God to begin to change them. Because you can begin to bring things up to your roommate and make them aware of it, um, but we can't change who they are. Only God can begin to do that. So begin to pray. And then second, you know, address patterns, not just one-time incidences. Because if you address every incident, that's not loving. That's just annoying. You know, nobody wants to be like, he did it again and again and again and again. It's like, stop it. You know, just address patterns. And then third, make sure the truth that you are sharing with your roommate really is based on God's word, not just your personal preferences. Um, it's okay to share your personal preferences, but just because your roommate's not choosing to live by your personal preferences does not mean what they're doing is wrong or going to be hurtful. It just means they're not doing what you want them to do. So make sure you don't get the, those two confused. And then fourth, if you're going to have those conversations, look to speak truth in an appropriate setting. Usually what that's going to look like is when it's a one-on-one -on -one situation and when they're not in a rush to about out to get to something, that way you can actually focus on what you're talking about. And then fifth and last, look to share as best you can in a way that's easy for them to hear. Proverbs 15.2 says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. It's already, and you guys know this, it's already tough to hear truth from someone else even if you know it's for your good. So if you're wise, you'll make what you have to say as palatable as possible without sugarcoating it. And that usually means saying things like, you know, it appears to me, and then fill in the blank, versus, you know what you did, this is what you did, and that's what you did, and making those kind of statements, because that always puts people on the defense. And then begin to ask clarifying questions. It may be you, what you're thinking they did is exactly what they did, but you might have missed some details. So, and either way, it always works out better, and it's always easier for them to hear if you approach it this way. 
So that's key number three. Then key number four to really creating an atmosphere that you and your roommates would want to come home to, creating a home that you long to go home to, is the habit of forgiveness. The habit of forgiveness. Now, this is key because as much as you and your roommates are really striving to, you know, serve each other and to be responsible for yourselves and to hold each other accountable to live rightly, eventually you are going to offend your roommates and they're probably going to offend you as well. So both extending forgiveness and seeking forgiveness are crucial to good roommate relationships. Case in point is uh, my wife and I. Now, Katie and I have been roommates for uh, ever since we got married, actually, on April 18th, 2009 which is about nine and a half years, give or take a few days. And honestly, we have a really great relationship. I mean, like she enjoys me for the most part and I enjoy her like all the time and we actually enjoy coming home to each other. Um, Now, the reason for that is, is not because we've never offended each other. No, 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 quite the opposite. In fact, I would wager there's probably no one in the world that I have offended more than my wife. And now that's not because, like, I like her less than other people. It's just because I am around her more than anybody else. In fact, I actually like her more than any one of you guys. You know, no offense, but, you know, <laughs> if, if, if you guys were all here and she's, I pick her every single time, you know. Um, so if I've offended her more than maybe anyone I've ever met, and yet we have a great relationship, how is that possible, you might ask? Well, the reason is, It's because I've also apologized and asked for her forgiveness more than anyone in the world that I know. Um, And, you know, choosing to do that is hard every time I do it, but I just choose to do it. Um, It takes humility to ask for forgiveness, but because I'm committed to doing it, I'm just more motivated to offend her less because I know I'm going to have to ask for her forgiveness, and I don't want to do that. So I'm just motivated to offend her less. But see, when I ask for forgiveness and I extend forgiveness, it really keeps our relationship fresh and it keeps it healthy. And that can be the same for you and your roommate relationships too. See, what forgiveness does is it keeps anger and it keeps bitterness, keeps things like resentment from really forming in the hearts of you and your roommates towards each other. And it will really allow your relationship with them to, as time goes on, to actually grow and not to weaken. It's not, it's not on this just, you know, downward curve the longer you know each other to eventually you just have to part ways. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking, now, Jeremy, those benefits sound nice, but it's just not that easy. In fact, you don't know my roommate, you know. They're not as good as your roommate, which you'd probably be true about that. That's, they're probably not as good as my roommate, but uh, you don't know my roommate, and in fact, they don't deserve to be forgiven. And you'd be partially right about that. For some of you, I don't know who your roommate is. And you're probably right. They probably don't deserve to be forgiven. But it can be that easy if you focus on what's been done for you and not what's been done to you. If you focus on what's been done for you and not what's been done to you. See, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, you actually have the capacity and the motivation to be able to forgive a whole lot because of the forgiveness that you've experienced yourself. See, actually, you didn't deserve to be forgiven by God, just like your roommate doesn't deserve to be forgiven. But yet, through Jesus, God actually forgave all of your sins anyway. And since we've been forgiven 
so much, we actually have the capacity and the motivation to forgive that way too. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to each other, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. See, the motivation to forgive your roommate has nothing to do with whether you like him or not. It has nothing to do with whether they deserve it or not. But it has everything to do with how much we've been forgiven by God. And that same God who's forgiven you much has now turned around and told you to extend that kind of forgiveness to other people. So if you're a Christian, you're struggling with forgiving, I'd, I'd encourage you, focus on what's been done for you, not what's been done to you. And then if you're not a Christian, I'd encourage you, man, get around some of the Christians here and ask them questions. How can you begin to experience the forgiveness that Jesus offers like they've experienced? So forgiveness, that's the fourth key to really building an environment that you and your roommates want to come home to. Then the fifth and last. Fifth and last is trust. In 1 Corinthians 13, which is often called the love chapter, some of you guys may have you know, heard it at church or in weddings and stuff like that. Uh, there's one part in verse 4 through 7 where Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians, uh, lists off kind of in rapid fire a bunch of different characteristics of love. Things like love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, and so on and so forth. And then, But in verse 7, this is what it says. Speaking about love, it says, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now, if you pause for a second and you read that list a little more carefully, what you'll notice is three of those things make a lot of sense. One of them is a little hard to wrap your mind around. See, the first one makes a lot of sense. I mean, love always protects. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, you protect the ones and the things that you love. The third one and the fourth one makes sense. You know, love always hopes. Yeah, that makes sense. And love perseveres. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be bumpy roads along the way, so you need to persevere. But that second one, that second one is a little harder to wrap our minds around. You know, love always trusts. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little naive to me. You know, love always trusts. Or another translation says, you know, love believes all things. And I'm thinking, really, Paul? Like, believes all things? Like, are we in first grade anymore? I, I don't know if I can believe all things. But what I think Paul realized, and I think what he was getting at as he was writing this, and what I want you guys to see tonight is this. Every relationship, especially with roommates, there will always be gaps from time to time between what you expect them to do and what they actually do. There will always be gaps between what you expect them to do and what they actually do. So things like you say, oh, you know, they said they're going to do the dishes before they went to class, and they didn't do the dishes. Gap, you know. They said they were going to pick me up at 5 o'clock, and they're 15 minutes late. Gap, you know. They said they were going to pick up, you know, some item at the store, and they didn't. Gap. And on and on you go. There will always be gaps from time to time between what you expect them to do and what they actually do. That's a given. But what you choose to fill in those gaps can make all the difference for the quality of your relationship. You can either fill in that gap with trust or you can fill it in with suspicion. Now, filling the gaps in with suspicion will look something like this. You know, they didn't do the dishes. You know, I bet it was because they were choosing to take a nap and sleep in that lazy bum or they were probably playing video games. That's why they didn't do the dishes, you know, or 
They didn't pick me up. I'm running late. You know what it is? They're probably hanging out with their girlfriend again. I knew it. I, they always hang out with their girlfriend, and that's why I tend to run late. They never show up on time. Fill in the gap with suspicion. You know? Or you begin to fill the gap with trust. You know, They didn't do the dishes. You know, I bet they probably needed to get to, get to class early. May, they might, there might have been someone that needs some help with a problem, and they went to class early to help them. Or they're not here to pick me up. You know, they might be having car issues. I don't know. They might, maybe, I'm sure whatever it is, they have a good reason for why they have not, you know, showed up on time or done the dishes or done whatever. Regardless of your past history with your roommate, it's always better for the relationship to fill the gap with trust rather than suspicion, to assume the best rather than to assume the worst. And see, what that does is, is that keeps all sort of divisive thoughts and and bitterness and anger from really wedging their way in there between you and your roommates. And yes, you can have a conversation with them, you know, once you finally see them and ask them, you know, to address the gap. But until that time comes, it's always still better in the meantime to fill in that gap with trust because suspicion, what it does over time is it begins to warp and it begins to poison the relationship. So, Whereas trust, that actually can really begin to build a relationship. So as long as you can, choose to fill the gap with trust. It's always better. So for example, uh, a common one for me is, you know, when I come home from campus at the end of a long day, um, I, I have an expectation. Now, I don't know if it's always a good expectation, but I have an expectation that when I, when I walk in my home, um, that it's going to be relatively clean, given the fact that we have two little kids. Um, now, that's my expectation. But if I walk in the door and I begin to see, starting from the entryway to the living room, to the kitchen, to the bedrooms, there's just a steady stream of clothes and toys all over the place. Now, not that that's ever happened. You know, this is hypothetical. I mean, my kids and wife are perfect and amazing. And <laughs> they never make messes ever. Um, but assume that happened, and I had that expectation. I had this expectation, and then this is what actually happened. Immediately, there's a gap, and I have a choice. What am I going to fill that gap with? Am I going to fill it with trust, or am I going to fill it with suspicion? See, if I fill it with suspicion, then I think things like, you know what? Katie and the kids are probably just goofing around all day. You know? And in fact, when Katie had opportunities to clean, she was probably just watching movies or you know, on Facebook, and she never got around to cleaning. I tell you what. Every single, you know. Or I can choose to fill a gap with trust and think, you know, like, wow, this is a mess, you know. Um, you know what it is? I bet the kids didn't take a good nap today. And so Katie just never had five minutes to pick up anything, you know. Or I bet she was probably hanging out with some of the neighbors and getting some time with them. That's probably why she didn't get around to it. Or, you know, I bet she's just stinking tired because she spent two, you know, with two kids all day long, and that wears you out. And so she probably just decided, I'm going to go to bed early and not even worry about cleaning stuff up, which would be totally understandable. You know, either way, regardless of how the mess was made, the relationship is weakened and the atmosphere is made worse if I fill that gap with suspicion rather than fill a gap with trust. And either way, I'm still going to have to clean the house. So I might as well have a good attitude and assume the best about Katie rather than assume the worst. So when those inevitable gaps come up in your relationships, and they'll come up from time to time with your roommates, 
choose to fill those gaps with trust rather than suspicion. So in wrapping up, just by way of review, uh, the question again that we're, we're asking about tonight is how can you create an environment that you and your roommates want to come home to? And I think the way that you do that is you make rafts. <laughs> I'm done. No. Um, that's going to require responsibility. It's going to require accountability. It's going to require forgiveness. It's going to require trust. And it's going to require service. And if you'll choose to do this in your roommate relationships, you'll not only be a better roommate, but your credibility as a Christian will be strengthened. And if you ever get married, God willing, you'll be a lot more prepared for that next stage of life. So I'd encourage you, begin to put some of these things into practice now while you're with your less good-looking roommate, you know, than down the road when you're actually married. And you'll be glad that you did. Well, let me pray for us, and then we'll invite the band back up, and we'll sing some more songs. <clears throat> God, thank you so much that you did not uh, cruelly put us in close proximity to each other, but not show us how to relate to each other, because uh, we would tear each other apart. <clears throat> and in fact, some of us do even knowing some of this. And so, God, I really do pray that we would uh, choose to take personal responsibility, that we really would choose to serve each other and to forgive and hold each other accountable and to really trust one another. And God, and as we do that, that that would really um, grow our character and deepen our relationships with those that we live with. And God, that the onlooking world would notice a difference in the way that we do relationships. And they would be curious. And then God, that not only would our lives be blessed as a result, but we could really bless those around us by beginning to tell them the difference that you make in a person's life as you begin to show them how to relate to each other right. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Jeremy a hand. Just <laughs> kind of join us for...